0: Welcome to filmstrip these podcasts are spoiler filled as we discuss the plots characters and themes of the films in review all content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the fair use act section 504 c2 title 17
1: welcome to filmstrip i'm jay and i'm nick and this is our review of Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Bill Duke, Richard Chavez, Jesse Ventura, Sonny Landham, Shane Black, El Padilla Carrillo, RG Armstrong, and Kevin Peter Hall. Directed by John McTiernan released in 1987. This movie launched a franchise. Further cemented Arnold as a box office megastar. Made a career for McTiernan. This was only his second movie, his first studio movie. So he got Die Hard and all the other great things he did after that. Uh, for this, for October, and you know, all that stuff. And is regarded as one of the best sci-fi action horror movies of all time. And Nick, we're kind of paying this one off from... Well, I don't know. Ten years ago when you joined the show, your very second series was the Alien series. We did all the Alien movies and we did the Alien versus Predator duology as part of that with the idea that one day we'll get around to the Predator movies. And then they started releasing Predator sequels, and we're like, eh, I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, coming up here at, at this point, we're, we're inching toward number 300. And we're like, man, we got to pay off uh, Predator. So time to do some Predator. What's, you, what's your background with this
0: one? It's not as, like, intense or as not deep as something like the Alien series, but this was a movie that I watched as a kid. It was, you know, one of these movies where it's just, I don't know, it's... It's an Arnold movie, but it was almost like as a kid, you kind of forgot it was an Arnold movie because at first I was saw it as like an alien movie, like, a, you know, the alien being the predator in this one. And just it was a movie that it was kind of alongside like Robocop as a movie that I watched where it was. On VHS, and I'd watch it a couple times a year, but yeah, it definitely. I was a fan. I had some toys growing up and everything. And I remember it was always the argument in like the end of like elementary school. It was like, were you an alien fanboy or a predator fanboy? <laughs> and just kind of like the whole arguments back and forth like, oh, uh, the predator would kill the alien or the alien would kill the predator. I'm Team Alien. always have been. That's just who i who I am. I think there's those first two movies are works of art. but uh, I also like I said you know, we'll get into this movie and stuff like that with my thoughts. But it was a movie that I watched during that time as well. So it was it wasn't up there with, you know, Alien or Star Wars or anything. but it was kind of like a tier two movie, kind of like alongside like, Trimmers you know that I would watch every once in a while,
1: yeah and, and we talked about it on the alien series. I mean, I grew up with alien, my dad was a fan of that. I saw that a lot earlier than I should have. I conned my grandmother into taking me to see aliens in the theater uh somehow, I still don't think she understands how I figured that out, uh, but uh, you know, I saw that when i I've seen you know, every alien movie except the original in a theater uh, at this point, but I didn't see this in theaters, but I had an older brother who, of course, would rent action movies with his friends and stuff on the weekends. And he was like, oh, man, you got to see Predator because you like Arnold. And uh, at this point, I had seen The Terminator. And I think I had seen Conan the Barbarian, probably Conan the Destroyer, too, at this point. Uh, which the funny story of that is I wasn't allowed to stay in the room when like he and Sandal Bergman were making out, but I could watch him slash people in half. So go figure, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I knew of Arnold. And so we rented this. And of course, I mean, this was right up my alley, dude, as 11 years old. What are you talking about? This is the kind of movie you want to see. It's up there with Rambo 2 and... You know some of those kind of things. Uh, you know, I've never held it in the same light as Alien because it's fair to call those two first two movies works of art. But I think at its core, like the original Alien movie is a horror movie. It really is. It's it's a Halloween in space in a lot of ways. And then that second one's a war movie. And this, on the other hand, is kind of a mash of a lot of that stuff um, in a much sleeker package. And I, but I've never hated this. I've always kind of remembered predator with a lot of fondness, but honestly, Nick, it's probably been seven or eight years since I watched it. And I I don't know what, what propelled me to watch it when I did so many years ago. It's one of those that I don't think you really forget. It's one that I I've grown up with and and know as well as I know anything else. So it's fun to come back and revisit it here because I didn't realize this was John McTiernan's like first real movie. He had done a, a, independent kind of small budget thing and then got this job. And from this, of course, you know, went on to do all the other things that he did. Uh, But I knew the story behind this, that the joke was throwing around Hollywood that, well, Rocky's killed everything else. The only thing he could do is beat an alien. And Jim and John Thomas, the, the writers of this sort of took that to heart and wrote a script treatment that got noticed. And then they wrote a series version of it, which became this movie essentially. And it landed in the hands of Joel Silver, a mega producer who put some real money behind it. It was going to be like a 2 million dollar thing and all of a sudden it became a 15 16 million dollar movie and they got Arnold attached, they got Carl Weathers and you know at one time Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to be the Predator. I think everybody knows that story now, but they they rounded out the cast with all these action-y stars, a lot of them Arnold kind of handpicked. And, you know, wow, what a hit of a movie. I mean, it, it's different than Alien, which was this concept that nobody really understood and people fought Ridley the whole time when he was making it, right? And then it became this, you know, huge hit, right, that they had to do something with. This movie was built to be a hit, and by George, they, they hit on the bell. Or they, they made a hit out of it.
0: Totally. And I think, you know, speaking of Alien, this movie owes a lot to Aliens. I get it that they came out kind of in relatively short period of each other with aliens, I believe, in 1986 and yeah. this one in 1987. But the alien script was actually around for a couple of years, unless I'm mistaken. And they were waiting for James Cameron to come aboard um, after you know the term- Terminator came out. So I think it was kind of a concept that was going around being like, hey you know let's take this alien creature or something like this and let's have them go against military guys because that's what Mm -hmm. aliens was it was like well you know michael myers is scary with a knife but is he you know what happens when you throw a bunch of SWAT members in there kind of a different story when that happens so that was always kind of the thing with aliens but like i said i think this movie owes a lot to that and then also from my understanding with the whole making of this movie too is that um you know, it was kind of James Cameron's idea as far as how the predator looked, I guess he was on a flight with uh, Stan Winston and they were trying to come up with the idea. Cause if you watch the making of this movie, the original predator design was awful. Oh yeah, It was like, it was like a giant lizard type thing that was, it, it's, it's it looked
1: like Homer Simpson with a duck bill. Like it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's awful. And, I guess, uh, he was on a flight with James Cameron and he's like, I'm just trying to come up with an idea here. And like James Cameron's like, what about like mandibles? He goes, that's, that's something that's pretty cool. And that kind of just like clicks something with Stan Winston. So I guess in a way that, you know, we have the predator design and the alien queen design to you know, be thankful for because of uh James Cameron, but
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cameron was, was part of that discussion at least. And I mean, you're right. The alien script was something they were certainly aware of. None of them will cop to the fact that they wanted to try to lean toward that what they did. And I think silver had a lot to do with this, with the rewriting and writing of it was the idea of this race of hunters, you know, coming to earth. And so they decided, well, let's just focus in on 100. And what would it be going after it would be going after the most lethal thing on the planet humans. And what's the most, most lethal version of a human, a combat soldier and commando. Yeah. And so, and who better to do that at this time, you either get Stallone or you get Schwarzenegger. And at this point you weren't getting Stallone, you were getting Arnold and, you know, Arnold, this is a big year for Arnold? He's got running man going on and lots of stuff happens before T2, which put him in a stratosphere all to his own, which was only four years after this, but it was part of his rise up, you know, and just real quick on Arnold, like had you seen like commando and stuff like that at this point?
0: I have not. I have actually still not seen Commando when it's completion. I've seen like the end of it with, you know, uh, take, you know, let off some steam Bennett. And, uh, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen the beginning of him walking around with like giant logs in between his arm and all his biceps, but that's as much as I've seen of commando, but I've always taken it that this is kind of like, what if we take commando and put him against an alien? And that's what this movie is.
1: Yes, it very much is. And I will say this as a big fan of commando and I had seen commando before I saw this, cause it was on cable a lot. And we, we had for a short time, we had showtime or something like that and ended up watching it. But yeah, I it's exactly that it, it is. If you take that super soldier, you surround him with some other, alphas and you just go into the jungle and let all hell break loose and you know the smart thing they did is they put carl weathers in this movie because they you know arnold as a thespian it's hard to describe what that experience is like he he has a ton of charisma But he hasn't really developed his acting thing yet. He's doing a little bit of the one-liners and stuff. So you need somebody in the cast who can act. And luckily for him, they really put two people in here who can act. Bill Duke can really act. And he had been in commando with Schwarzenegger. So that's how he got this gig. Jesse Ventura has charisma again. So Schwarzenegger had him in there. And then they put Carl Weathers in because he, you know, he was great as Apollo. He's got tons of energy and he can act. So having all those people together, it's it's a good combination for You know, what, again, became a classic. I mean, there's no doubt this is going to be a classic. The the fun part about reviewing this is, does it hold up? Do we still like it as much as we did when we were younger? Now, Nick, I understand you have one of your classic spins on the plot summary
0: for us this episode. I do. It's actually going to be from the Predator's point of view. So um, I I figured that, you know what, this movie, everybody's seen it. Anybody who's listening to this has seen this movie. For us to sit there and just kind of give a play-by-play plot summary, eh. You know what's the point that you can fast forward so let's uh let's take it from the predator's point of view so well it's the year three billion four million sixty five or as the animals on earth call it 1987. my name is stan and i'm traveling from the universe in search of the ultimate prey i am a hunter who hunts, who hunts lower life forms with advanced technology such as invisibility cloaks laser shoulder cannons and giant extending claws on my way throughout the galaxy i find earth and decide that it's a good place to go for a hunt so instead of going to a populated place i go to the jungles of what the earthlings call central america there i spot some humans carrying primitive weapons and kill them but they were too easy so i don't i so i don't take any trophies i instead tie them up to a tree and skin them but later I hear some weapons off in the distance and find a group of new humans killing other humans. Pretty interesting dynamic these species has with itself. This new group of humans is much more interesting and stronger than the last ones. So I decide this would be a good group to hunt. I slowly pick them off one by one until I eventually get caught in some net trap that they set. At this point, I'm done. They wounded me, I'm cold, my legs are sore, and I really could use some alien tea. I'm ready to go home and call it quits. But a couple of the humans chased after me, thinking they could hunt me. So I kill these two idiots and say, screw it, the rest are going down. I go after them and this one guy is standing on a log, cutting his chest with a knife waiting for me. Idiot. So I kill him. And then I kill another one. I only have two left, and, but I'm late for dinner at this point, so I decide the female can leave. So I chase after this last one, but he rides down a water slide and disappears. It's like he, he, he basically, he turns invisible. Where did he go? I look and I look, and I give up once again. But no, I'm polishing my skull trophies when this human reappears later at night, screaming, picking a fight. So I chase after him, and wouldn't you believe it, he set another trap. This log falls on me, and here I sit, stand the hunter, outdone by a human. Trapped, and I'm ready to die but I have a surprise for the human. I have set my bracelet to explode. Let's see if he can outrun a nuclear blast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bravo, sir. Bravo. That is, uh, that is some of your best work since terror vision. I might add, Uh, um, Yeah, go back in the archives, folks, and dig up the Terrorvision episode. Hear Nick do a plot summary from the monster's point of view. Uh, it's it's often happened, but uh, that's that's classic. Uh, I still can't get over Stan. <laughs> <laughs> Lots to get into, as you say. So let, let's start with the opening, and it's the part that I never remember, dude. I always think about this movie as starting with that meme of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, Dutch and Dylan, as they were. Uh, arm wrestling in the air but the movie actually opens what feels like a direct reference to Alien at at this point right? it's it's the space and you get the spaceship flying by Earth and boom they're going to stand off to the side of it I never think about that when I think about this movie but I got to thinking this time if that wasn't there we wouldn't see this Predator for half an hour
0: yeah, it's, it's one of those things too. I think every time I rewatch this movie, I'm always like, wait, this is the beginning of the movie? Because I always thought it opened up with the chopper scene. You know, you got that da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, the, the theme music of this movie goes, I mean, it's a classic theme and that's hitting and then you got them landing on the beach and everything yeah. with Arnold coming out with his, you know, polo red shirt on that's like two sizes too small. I always thought that that was the beginning of the movie, but no, we actually get this scene in outer space and it's just one of those scenes where, you know, do we need it? You know, is it a movie where we need to be able to set it up that there's an alien in this movie or would it work just as good or would it work better if we had no idea what was going into this movie? Because if you just see the cover of this, uh, of it, you know, for, for the most part, it's Arnold being in like some kind of like thermal vision thing where you can see kind of like the, the red blood vessels and everything in his body, different heat signatures and everything. So it's one of these scenes where, you know, it's, it kind of sets it up that there's an alien here, but I just think that it's it's not needed for this film. I think if you just set it up like a regular army movie, I think it would just work just as good. I mean, it's almost kind of like when you watch Terminator 2 and you have Arnold walking out of the bar and they're playing Bad to the Bone. And at that point, you know, okay, it's kind of comical with this mu- music going on and you kind of set him up as a good guy. Would that movie work better if you thought that he could possibly be evil like he was in the first movie? It's kind of one of those things where I think they're maybe showing their cards a little bit too early.
1: Well, on the T2 side of things, I mean, the trailers blew that for everybody. So there's that in the trailers to this didn't exactly like give the secret away. But I think everybody knew something about a space alien and a bunch of commandos. I'll I'll argue that it actually works well because of three people that we've already mentioned here. John McTiernan as a director, uh, Donald McAlpine, his cinematographer, who is still working at the age of 86. I mean, he's just a classic guy. And Alan Silvestri's music. They set a tone in those first minute of this, of you think you're getting to watch another Alien movie. And I mean like Alien in the franchise sense movie. Guess what? You're not. And we're going to start you there, but we're going to take you to Commando Land really quick. And I, I think it works perfectly. I like the opening and that there's a mystery to it. And even to the point that when they finally get to the jungle and they see that downed helicopter or whatever, you actually see like some. I, I didn't notice it till this time. Like some of the alien blood is spilled on the helicopter. You know, and it's like, oh, so they really do tease it along the way. John McTiernan does a good job of teasing the alien out while we have to deal with what is the first act, because the first act is this, quote, rescue mission. And what we find out is like all the conspiracy theories now of how we think the government operates. People were still thinking that way in the 1980s, too, y'all don't act like that's new. The CIA brings in a bunch of, you know, freelance Uh, military mercenaries here basically who don't go in there to assassinate people. They they call that out, but they're going in to rescue folks, but it's really a takedown job. They're going in there to shoot a bunch of Russian advisors who are advising communist guerrillas in the area and causing unrest in Central America.
0: I guess that's always been my question with this movie is I never really paid attention too much to the setup here. But are we, so we're to take that, The mission, this rescue mission was not real or was there guys that were sent there to do what they're doing but failed and then they're going in there under the guise of going after them but to really do what they were supposed to do?
1: That's exactly right. They had already sent one team that Jim Hopper guy, they find his dog tags after they find him skinned or whatever, who Dutch knows. Carl Weathers and his group had already sent them in and they failed and they thought, well, dead or alive, we got to go get them. And that's our way to get Dutch in is we say, hey, we're going to go rescue some people. We'll just tell him it's the ambassador because if we tell him it's Hopper, he might get upset and want to know what's going on. He ask too many questions. And so they bring in and, of course, all hell breaks loose because they realize very quickly Arnold does like, wait, a minute, these guys are heavily armed. They execute a prisoner in front of him. And that's when, you know, him and his team rain hell down on them and and wipe them all out. And they figure out I mean, he figures out really quick that this isn't what it's supposed to be. Even on the helicopter ride there, like they're there. He's asking something about where's our cover? And Carl Weather says to him, oh, you know, once we get across this line, there is no cover, man. He's like, this just gets better by the minute. Like he realizes this is bullshit at some point and he's just going to keep going along with it because that's what he's paid to do. But he knows something's wrong. And and I actually, I kind of like the setup of it. The first act could be its own movie by itself. It could be like a good Tom Clancy movie even, but that's not what we're here for. But it's kind of neat as a setup to a a, a movie like this where... The real movie is about this predator hunting these people, right? But we're going to wait 35 minutes to get to
0: that. Totally. Well, the whole setup, I mean, you got to get them out there. So, and then you got to be able to have them have some type of scene in here. Where it shows that these guys are like the ultimate badasses and everything. And of course, you know, yeah. we get Carl Weathers, who's playing essentially kind of the uh the muscled up Burke character from Aliens. He's the corporate stooge, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? That, that's that's what he is. He tricked them to get out there. Same thing happened in Aliens. Like I said, I think this movie took a lot more from aliens than what they'd be willing to admit because there was a lot of similarities, but we get that, but we got to get this in here because we gotta understand that these guys are ultimate, you know, the ultimate badasses. How you explained, you know, they're all alpha males and everything i mean we got the handshake with the biceps pumping out with the veins and everything that looked like earthworms i mean <laughs> yeah these guys are you know what i mean and what's kind of cool about it though is everybody just like the movie aliens is they all got their own personalities yeah and you can watch this movie and really understand what each of them look like and what each of their characteristics are and i think that's that's well done because there's so many movies out there where you just got cannon fodder You know, you're going to have a bunch of guys and, you know, you're only going to know like two or three of them. You know, movies like Saving Private Ryan have done it well. Aliens has done it well. This is another movie where it, done, it has done it well, where you know each of the individual characters.
1: It, so It's the archetype for what has become the Fast and Furious movies, really from like Fast Five onward, where each member of the team has some sort of cool quality G.I. Joe, you know, back of the, the box, you know, special abilities, and we get to see him do it, you know?
0: Totally. And I think, you know, you, you can watch movies like, you know, someone's probably saying like, what about like the Magnificent Seven and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, that's that, that's yeah. kind of where they brought it from. But you can also see where they've done it wrong. Like if you ever seen the new Hobbit movies, yeah, you know, like four of the Hobbits, but like there's four of them in the background that like you're like, yeah, I kind of know what they look like, but I don't know them. I don't know their personalities. Yeah. And that's what's kind of cool about this movie is you get to know each of their personalities in a very short amount of time. So it really gives a lot of strength to the script of this movie. I mean, as well as the performances. I mean, Jesse Ventura, sitting there with chewing tobacco, MTV shirt, Gatling gun. You got his buddy, Bill Duke there, where, you know, shaved head, you know, he's the guy there, you could tell those guys are buddies. And you got, you know, Shane Black, he's got the big glasses on. You got the other guy who's, you know, kind of a little bit of a smaller guy, but he's got more of the ethnic look to him. And then you got the big Indian guy, the big chief looking guy there with the big Bowie knife. And then, of course, you got Arnold and Carl Weathers. I mean, it's just so easy to remember what each of these guys look like and all their personality traits. It's just, it's a well done script and better done performances. And like, I, you know, I I know Jesse Ventura has been an actor. I I don't remember him in much stuff, but he's awesome in this movie. I have to say, he's just with that Gatling gun and shit. And I remember during the making of this movie too, like they wanted someone to use that Gatling gun. And even Arnold was not strong enough to be able to carry that around on him. The only guy who was strong enough to do it was Jesse Ventura. And that's, I I I can only imagine how heavy that thing is. And it's like bravo to him for being able to manhandle that thing.
1: That character, Blaine, and that minigun have influenced so much pop culture and people never call it out for it. Duke Nukem and Doom have those that weapon in them. The Grand Theft Auto Five, that's a huge Terminator weapon. Terminator two. It. Yeah. T- T2, it co- makes an appearance. Yes. I mean, Arnold actually gets it in T2. For, but but I'm talking about beyond even its own era. That has resonated forever. Nobody knew that what that thing was unless you served in Vietnam in the army and were on a helicopter because that's where it's usually mounted. You know, The idea of somebody carrying that around is ridiculous, but it works perfectly for this movie. I'll tell you what the archetype for these people are in this movie. And John McTiernan has said this. It was the Wild Bunch. Man, he was doing Sam Peckinpah in a Western. He was doing the violent Western, and it's perfect for it. And if you think about this movie in those terms, you said Magnificent Seven, I say Wild Bunch. You really get what these people are all about. And it makes it perfect. And it's why it's so much fun to watch them go on this adventure And you don't need to hear their credentials. You don't need to know their entire backstory. You just watch them operate. And I mean, what they do when they infiltrate the camp is pretty amazing.
0: I mean, they they go into this area and it's like, you know, they, they mow them down. They do just, I mean, it's almost like it's fun and games to them. I mean, it's yeah. even the opening scene. It's like they got this like vehicle that's like, you know, they got the back wheels off and they got it like, you know, some type of like pulley system where it's powering a generator so it can give, you know, the camp power and stuff. And, you know, it, it's such a, it's such an Arnold scene where he's like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to lift this effing truck up and just pull it right off the center blocks and just let it ride right into there. And of course, you know, you got to get that with an Arnold movie. You got to get him lifting something and the bicep swelling and everything as he does it. And it's like, they just, like I said, they go through this entire group and they just, they, they mow them down. Like they're like, they're nothing. And you get like, some classic scenes in here. I mean, you got Arnold throwing the big giant knife to you know, stick around and then even like Jesse Ventura sitting there being like, He's dug in like an Alabama tick, and I ain't got time to bleed. I mean, these are very quotable yeah. scenes. Well,
1: what's great is that nobody remembers Richard Chavez has the best line after that. When he looks at it, Poncho says, you got time to move because he fires three grenades up above him. But that's another weapon that makes itself into video game land now that everybody you know has. not it also made an appearance in Terminator 2 a few years later. So, yeah, no, I love all of that stuff. It's a great action set piece. It's you got all the springboard explosions, you know, the ridiculous amounts of pyro going off for what they're doing, and they do mow through them like they're not there. But it's also funny how Anna, the what will become the hostage, sneaks up on Arnold with a pistol, and of course he knocks her out because he hears her coming from a mile away. And when he's looking around the room, he realizes. This is total bullshit. Like Dylan has set us up on this. And when Dylan walks in there and starts picking up the paperwork, he doesn't even try to hide it anymore. He tells him, he's like, where's the hostages? Where's the ambassador? You know, and all this. And he lets him know right then. No, there never was any of that. These guys were Russian advisors. They were going to outfit these gorillas. We can't have that down here. And look, for the time, man, that was a real thing. That's why the Thomases set this in Central America. There was so much covert military action going on during that time from America to try to thwart these communist you know uprisings in in the countries and so it fits it fits the time frame and it it allows this movie to operate in a in an era when so many of these kind of movies were raw raw America take over everything and that's not really what's happening here in fact these guys are quite conflicted about what they've
0: had to do Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you you see Arnold, he gets mad. It's like, you know, I'm not a hired gun. You know, (laughs) you're bringing us in here like mercenaries. We're we're, we're not this. You know, it's like, it's almost something like, you know, you almost look like the Contra affair and stuff like that in Nicaragua and stuff like that. It's kind of like a play on that, where it's like, we're coming in here to kind of mess, you know, clean up your dirty work. That's not what we're here for. It's like, I always took it as like, they're kind of like, they're kind of like the A team. You know, it's kind of like you call them in when you can't call anybody else in and they're going to go in there and they're going to save hostages or they're going to get something out. But as far as like essentially being an eraser for a guy who's, you know, who he says, you know, is pushing, pushing paper behind a desk is not what they want to do. But at this point, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you were here. You did it. No one else could do it. Thank you. Let's get the hell out of here. Because at that point, what are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? It's like, you can't refuse. You already got the job done. You killed all these guys. Let's just get the hell out of here. But I think, like I said, most importantly, this stuff is all throwaway. It yeah. really is. I mean, it's, it's a fun scene, but what the entire point of it is, is to set up that these guys were able to go into essentially uh, you know, a militarized base and kill 40 guys without breaking a sweat. And that's the entire thing is like you want to set them up to be the badasses because now we're going to introduce the Predator. And if the predator wants to hunt these guys for that reason, and that's what I've taken from this is like, when you watch the beginning of this movie, they find Hopper and all these other guys and they're strung up. And the thing that you notice with them is they still have their skulls intact, which will become a plot point later. They're just, they're they're just skinned, like, you know, lamb, you know, that's ready to go to the, you know, ready to be cut apart at the slaughterhouse. There's, there's nothing. They're just killed. They're left. There's, you know, kind of almost as a symbol but it's gonna be different with these guys because they showed, and almost like we, as the audience, were almost like the predator watching this movie where it's like, we're seeing these guys are badasses and these guys are essentially what he wants to go hunt. It's, you know, you got guys that go out there and they hunt deer, and then you got guys that are going out there and they hunt bear. He's the guy that hunts bear. He wants something that's dangerous. He wants something that he's able to take a trophy home and be like, these are ones I killed because they could do this. And that's the entire point of the beginning of this is to show that.
1: Exactly. And you hit on it in the plot summary. We played it off for fun, but it is realistic is that the ultimate hunter wants to go after the other ultimate prize. And it's not the biggest, you know, pretty looking animal. It's the one that can fight back. And that's what makes it dangerous.
0: Oh yeah. Most dangerous game. Right. (laughs) So yeah, that's what we get. And I I, like, I I like the setup though. When we first get the point of view of the predator, because that's going to be something that's very, very key in this movie. And it's something that you normally see in slasher movies, you know, like Jason, Michael Myers, you'll get (sighs) the. Yeah. Those the the mask point of view,
1: but this time it's done with that heat vision. So it's giving us everything we want. We actually get that when they discover that first downed helicopter and they find Hopper and all of those guys. And Billy, the, the Sonny Landon, the Indian character, a Native American character, says it best. He said, Major, and this is what they call Dutch, because they're not still in the military. They're paramilitary, I guess you'd say now, but they kind of still maintain rank structure. And he tells it to him in such a great way. It's another, again, he put a good character actor around Arnold, and it works, is they were firing in all directions, and they had no idea what they were shooting at. There's no tracks of anything after them, you know? and they can't yeah, figure and- it out and that's what the predators watching them going hmm these guys know what i am do they know i'm here like it's it's sort of neat and you've hit on something though as much as arnold is the lead guy in the credits or whatever this is the predators movie and it's about to become all about him
0: yeah totally and i i like that i mean i like it when you know the scorpions on the ground and he picks it up and you see the claws and right away, it's like, okay, this thing's not human because you're seeing its hand that that's not a human hand, but you're also seeing, like I said, the vision and everything, which really adds a cool element to this movie because, Mm -hmm. you know, just seeing the heat signatures and everything like that, it's just, it's like the jaws music. You know, when you, when you hear that, dun, 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 it's like, you know, the, you know, the sharks there. And when you hear that, you know, it's like, it's almost like the, the vision's turning on with that sound. Yeah. And then you could see them, you know what I mean? And then you hear kind of how their voices sound different. They almost sound like echoed and recorded and everything. It's just, it's showing that that this thing out there is more advanced than what we are.
1: Well, that's and what's neat about it too, is it records them and it plays it back. It can like, it only do so much at once. Like it's got the 32 gig phone instead of the 64 or 128. So it can only hold so much at once, but it records things as a way to trap people, but also as a way to try to figure them out. Like we don't know that the predator has any language. It does this cool little, I don't know. It's like a cicada kind of thing, growl type thing. And it will yell and growl later when it's fighting, but it, it doesn't communicate the way we do. Right. And it doesn't have telepathy as far as we know. So it's trying to, follow them and learn them by doing that little playback and recording bit. And I mean, it's, it's what makes the the hunt cool because the second act of the movie is the predator stalking them. It is Michael Myers walking around the houses and just looking at people and stuff. He's not doing anything yet, but you know, the threat is there. And that's what the, the tension builds. And this becomes a horror movie in the second act which is, I mean, it's been an action movie. Now it's a horror movie in the broad daylight of the jungle. That is a very hard thing to pull off. And they really really. do it here.
0: Well, even the recording stuff, just to kind of go back to that, it's almost like you're watching a spy thriller because that's always like something that you see like in movies like that or TV shows like that. Like even like you watch something like Fargo where you have the guy, he's got recordings and he's just sitting there and he's listening to him. He's trying to figure stuff out. And that's the whole thing. It's like they're adding this element of intelligence to this creature that's out there and i think it, it's just it's just well done and i i just I, I like it too that it's like as we go on it's they're falling more and more it's into the, like this this predator you know it's really a hunter and predator is kind of a dumb word for it but this hunter's like game here as far as like how it's going to hunt with them and how it's going to play games with them and everything and it's it's interesting kind of how things kind of trans you know Kind of like transform here with it as far as how it's hunting them and how it's kind of changing its game when it comes to them because it sees them as you know something that's worthy to it and one of the one of the things i really really liked about this movie as they're walking through um shane black's character i think is hawkins he ends up getting killed and it takes his body yeah and it's like why did it take its body and, and, and you see him there.
1: later strung way up in the trees and that's that's the trick and the thing that they don't figure out until later is that the reason there's no tracks on the ground is it's up above them and you know yep. you never think about what's up above you right like especially those guys they wouldn't think about any you know, in that jungle no people could really operate like that this thing has its camo where it can kind of cloak against the uh the backdrop of the jungle um, I think Anna calls it like a chameleon and that's a great way to describe how it, how it's, you know, a cloaking device kind of works. And it also lures them into where it knows the only place they can go. I mean, Billy says it is like, we're surrounded by gorillas on every side. We either sit here and fight them all out or we go down through that valley and we don't really want to do that, but it's really our only way out. And so th- that's, it's like putting them in a, a narrow area. You know, if you go hunting, you try to surround your prey in a place where it can't get out. Right. And it's up above them while they're down in the Valley. And that scene Mm -hmm. where it kills Hawkins is great because she tries to escape and they're chasing after her. he catches up to her. And then it comes, you know, she says the jungle comes alive and it it really just comes alive. It gores him right from behind. And so long Shane black. (laughs)
0: And I like that too, because what they do is they set up kind of like her character a little bit because they, you know, it kills him and then they're like, you know, they get there they got their big, I mean, the big gun scene of this movie where they just sit there and they just mow down probably a hundred yards of rainforest with their guns. I mean, it's just like them just wasting ammo. I'm a shooter. I know you are too, Jay. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of money that they're just putting right into those trees, man. It's like, that's a lot of freaking capital with those bullets. But um they do set it up though too with that because they go, she never took off. She's scared as hell because yeah. of what she saw. And it's like, she knows these jungles. She knows this area. And given any other circumstances, she would have been out of there. We would have never been able to find her, but she's, staying with us for a reason. And that kind of gives them a little bit of a spook. Like what the hell? Exactly. You know, it's, almost kind of, it's almost kind of like, she's almost like the nude character of this movie. She,
1: she kind of is in a lot of ways. And she's also there to kind of explain some things. Cause we'll find out from her later that she's seen this before in her village, in the hottest years, something would come and it would hunt, you know, our, our greatest fighters or whatever. And it would always hang them upside down and skin them like that and take parts of them for trophy. And it, and this is the hottest year, you know, since I was a kid or whatever, you know, she lays out. And what's neat is, you know, they, they kill Hawkins or it kills Hawkins, drags him away. They're looking for him and they find like part of him on the ground, but the rest of him is, you know, a hundred foot up in the trees. And I saw our friend, the Anaconda crawling through, by the way, Um, on the side there, it almost went, it it wasn't going as fast as it was in that movie, but it did, it did make an appearance and say hello. And then, (laughs) <laughs> Jesse Ventura is I, and what I love is he's got a he's got a nickname for his big minigun. He calls it painless, which I thought was awesome. It's like I'm about ready to let painless talk, you know, or whatever. And he he's looking for something and he gets shot and it hits him in the shoulder, and you don't really know what happened to him until he turns around and he gets blown through the chest with that pulse cannon thing that the predator has on its shoulder, basically. And the predator does this cool reveal to Mac at that point. He he like flashes his eyes at him. You know, so it's like I, you see me now, and then that's when they start laying waste to the jungle, my man. That that's where all of the ammo went, and I'm just sitting there going, "This is insane," but it's what those guys would do, right? It's one of the coolest action scenes ever because Bill Duke is is you know holding the trigger down of that gun till it's so empty it's about to burn the barrel out.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like it's. I kind of want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go <laughs> just unload something like that into a bunch of trees or something like that. And just yeah, that power that's coming out of there. It's, it's, it's a cool scene. I mean, again, you got the guys and the, the biceps are all like flexed out and oil. You know what I mean? Everybody's all oiled up and sweaty and just the bullets going. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty much like one of the ultimate eighties, like just gun scenes as far as just blasting stuff. I mean, Rambo, reach your heart out. I mean, exactly. it's it, it's cool. But the coolest part about it though, is they go, we didn't hit anything.
1: Yeah. Well, what you find out later is they actually did. They just didn't kill anything, you know? And so that's when we, we do get to see the predator who's climbed high enough and away from him that he unveils himself for the first time. And he shot up down his leg and he's got to perform a little surgery, you know? And that's the first time we see him in, in a state where you realize like, Oh, he's not invincible. That green stuff is his blood. You know, and okay, that's weird. Kind of freaky
0: and looks like Mountain Dew, but okay, sure we'll go with it. And, well, you know, it, you know what it looks like. It looks like if you were ever like going to like a rave or something like that, like those yes. glow sticks. Glow sticks. And you crack yeah, and you cracked it too much, and like it got down your hand or something. You got yeah. the green one. It's green glow stick uh, goo. Yeah, that's what it is. It, it's
1: exactly if, if the Electric Daisy Carnival got out of hand. Uh, that's what. That's what would happen. So um, yeah, but no, but I love this though because the first time we really get to look at it, right and. And it's, we're still seeing it in its armor, but we see like, okay, so it's got a cannon on its shoulder. It looks like a parrot, which is kind of funny. And it's got this, you know, you don't know what its face looks like. So you just think the helmet, it's where it is its face. And it's like, okay, so it's part tech, but it's like part organic too. It's got to heal itself, but you know, it, it's able to do it pretty clearly. But I love how it like screams in pain when it puts that clamp on itself and you go immediately back to the soldiers and they all look around at each other. Like what in the hell is that? Like you know, they have no idea what they're up against. And what's what's so neat about that is in the first act, they were so unstoppable that you thought, well, man, there's nothing that can touch these dudes. And now we've already seen one of them, you know, torn apart. The other one got blown apart. And now they're they're kind of rag tagged up. They don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, totally. Now, when I first, you know, I look at the predator now. I mean, maybe this isn't like PC, but I think it like it's like almost like a Jamaican stripper. I mean, it's like it's got the dreadlocks (laughs) and then it's got the fishnets everywhere. So I I just find it interesting that it's like the fishnets. Uh, I mean, I get it. It's it, it it's it's weird. I, yeah. I mean, it's very it's, weird. It's but yeah.
1: But it's the thing is you start to realize about it is it's got an animalistic piece to it, and all of its gear has a purpose. Like those fishnets have got you know it hooks stuff on it all the time, and it allows it to move around in all kinds of environments. And you know, and you no. realize like you wouldn't want like heavy clothing because later on when max chasing after it he starts dropping his stuff cuz he's he's hot and he can't haul all that crap around and he's you know he's just t- going to take the m60 and what belt he's got and go after it and that's when the tension really starts to to mount in this this movie we get to night time and great mm-hmm. scene with bill took Talking in the moonlight, like he's talking to Jesse Ventura. You know, like we we all came out of there. We're on top of all of you know, and all this stuff. And he's so crazy. He he's been dry shaving the whole time, which is nuts. And he breaks the razor on his face. That's how intense it gets. And oh yeah, and you know they've set up traps. Something sets it off, and it's a boar that comes through. And of course, he attacks it and thinks you know they killed it. But that's when they realize like no, the predator's using trees to move. That's how you know if it bleeds, we can kill it. And and Anna's laid out the whole bit for them, you know what they do. And that's when they catch it in the trap. They catch it in that big, you know, spring-loaded net thing, and it blows itself out of there. And I thought, man, what a great way to get out of that thing! It's like, okay, well, I, no, no more hiding. Going to reveal myself now because you guys are in for it. This is it. <laughs>
0: Totally, I I, I love the scene though with Bill Duke with, with, with the Bic razor. He's got the single razor, you know, they're the ninety nine cent ones. He's in there, he's shaving. And when I was a kid, you know, I was kind of like, what the hell is he doing? But I guess as more as an adult now, I'm looking, I'm like, he's scared.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: it's something, you know what I mean? Like some people bite their nails, some people will fidget, and it's like him. He's sitting there and he's like with with the razor and he's like going on his face and you can see that it's just like kind of a nervous habit for him and as he's pushing it into his face you see the blood coming down which i can only imagine he really did which oh that 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 hurts i mean anybody's cut themselves shaving i mean understands that nick feel that you feel um, but, um,
1: no, actually I can tell you that is an actual special effect because oh, when it, he broke that out, that wasn't written in there. He started doing that as just a thing. And he said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to break this on my face. So the prop guys had to figure out how to rig one up that would shoot blood on his face. It wouldn't cut him. Like that's, that's just a rig. That's just good. special oh, effects. I,
0: I, I'm disappointed, man. I thought you were a method <laughs> actor. So, but anyways, it is. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it is cool though, because it's like, I don't know. It's like being now like it with, with with my career and everything like that. There's so many times where I'll be like kind of talking to someone or doing something and I'm in the midst of something. And then I realize that I was still kind of doing it as something else happened. And it's something like that, too, where you're like you're seeing the guy focus on it. And just like that cut thing, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just kind of a cool scene there when you kind of realize what's going on in his head.
1: You've you've hit on it is that he's scared, and we're watching these men who presumably have seen a lot of things and have lived and survived a lot of stuff. Now in a situation where it's mentally breaking them apart, you know they've seen their their you know comrades killed. They're all starting to fall apart. They're not getting at each other, but they, they don't know what's happening. They don't know what to do. And that's – when after they catch the thing and it gets away, that's when all hell breaks loose because Matt goes after it. Dylan goes after him because he's decided he's going to do something right for once, which lets you know immediately, oh, he's dead. You know, <laughs> and, and and the other thing that's happened is – um, When the predator got away, it sprung another trap, which was this big log to come down and do like an Ewok on the, the predator or whatever. It hits poor Chavez in the chest. So he, like every rib he's got broken. So he's useless now. So we're trying to drag <laughs> him out in one direction for him going one way, Dylan and Mac go the other way. And what I love is how Mac thinks he's got it cornered. He, you know, him and Dylan underneath the tree or whatever. It's like, I see it, see it out there. And you do see it moving. And I gotta say, man, that's an effect that really still holds up. Like, it's amazing how well that still works today. It doesn't look perfect.
0: It looks alien and weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. It totally does. Yeah, but um, what, what what's cool about this, though, is like after this whole scene happens is you got the split of the group because you got to get that in the second yeah. movie because right now you got too many guys. That's well, so what happens in a horror
1: whole... movie, right? Everybody gets split up and that's how Jason kills you.
0: Yeah, because it's, you know, if they would stick together, they would live. You know, And, and that's kind of like with my plot summary is I feel at this point, if they would have just left as a group, I think the predator would have just been like, fuck it. I'm done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I've been wounded. They kind of bested me with this trap. I'll go back, look at my wounds. I'm not going to tell the people back home at the hunting club about this. I'm just going to get out of here. And yeah. I think that, you know, yeah. Bill Duke's character, he just goes crazy. And he's like, I'm going to go after there and go kill him and stuff. And he starts, you know, you know, <laughs> I forget what he's saying in the movie too, but he's like, it's just, you know,
1: well, he's, he's, he's repeating the lines to long, uh, long tall Sally for the Richard, uh, little Richard saw that they were listening there to you on go. the right end. He's like, Oh, that. she, she me. he's just, he's just losing it. He's just kind of reverting to just animal instincts and he thinks he's got the thing cornered. So he sends Dylan in one direction and he's going to sit over here. And that's when you see those little three triangles, the laser dots. And this is before laser sights became like a thing everybody knew about, you know? So when it lands on his arm and he's like, I know what that is. And he turns around the look on his face when he realizes this thing, is sighting me up on my head. And then the, the camera shot of it basically blowing the back of his head out into the camera. That is a visceral horror stuff. Great. A.
0: Oh yeah, totally. And then you got, uh, you know, uh, you know, Apollo Creed there going there and he like, he's like, you know, r- running after him. And then, you know, that's when this guy kind of shows like more of its technology, it blows his arm off. Yeah.
1: Cause as he's raising his gun up at him, blows his arm off. So he gets the other gun up and that's when the predator comes behind him and, you know, hits him with the the two prongs and that's it for uh, I mean, like raises him up off the ground too. Cause you knew that guy had to die a vicious death.
0: Yeah, I mean, just like yeah, the running and then like you know the two foot long talon blades coming out of his arm and everything. But then we go back over to uh, which I, I I still am like this scene is like one of the weirdest scenes in this movie. So you got you got you know Dutch, you got the um, Anna, you know, you've kid, got you got Anna. Poncho and you've
1: got Billy all together. Yeah. And for some reason, Billy decides I'm going to take off all my stuff. I'm going to get my knife out, cut myself, and go mano a mano with this thing. I guess he's killing himself or basically going to buy his friends some time. That's how I've always read it. I don't, I don't know why else he would do this.
0: Well, it's almost, I don't want to sit there and say, it's almost like a Chekhov's gun here because later in the movie, the predator does the same damn thing to Arnold. Yeah. But it's something where I think he's just, he's done. He's just like, yeah. you know what I've, you know, I'm not scared of anybody. I'm scared of this. And I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to run anymore. I think that's kind of what it is. I don't think he's really given his friends time. I think that's more of just a, you know, a side effect of what he's doing here. But I think it's just like, he's, he's never been scared of another person in his life. He's scared of this and he's not going to run. He's got to sit there and face his fears fine, you know, for this thing. And yeah, he like does like this, like ritual cutting of his chest and, he just waits there with a big Bowie knife. And then you hear a scream and it's like, okay, you know, he's dead.
1: Yeah. That, that's what I love about that is it's not on screen for all the violence we've seen. We don't see his death on screen. And I love that. I think it's a great touch. It's a great move by McTiernan to say all we need is the scream because at this point, you know, what has happened to him. You know, there's no doubt because this is the pickoff. This is the horror movie pickoff right here because Poncho gets shot by the predator, like right after that Dutch is wounded from that. And that's when he's got to send Anna to the chopper, you know. And this is the first time Arnold really gets his ass kicked by this predator.
0: Yeah. So, like, you know, he realizes at this point, though, too. It's like Anna's about to grab a gun. And he's like, he kicks it away, and he's like realizing that, you know, when they set up before, too. It's like she doesn't have a weapon, she's not a threat to him. Yeah. He doesn't care about her. No sport. So he yeah, he gets her to the chopper, which I still question though. It's like you got this woman who's a native there who has probably would be part of this guerrilla group showing up to the military chopper. I guess you could drop a couple names and they'd realize, okay, maybe she knows these guys, but it's always been kind of like a thing where I'm like, Huh, I wonder if the military would even take her up on air on the helicopter at that point. But- I think
1: I think she would have to go with like, I think he gives her something so that she he she can show it to the commander in charge. They're like, I'm with these guys now. I was with them. You need to go back and let, you know, rescue what's left of them, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Cause at first she doesn't act like she can speak English, and then all of a sudden she very much can speak English.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that happens in movies. I mean, watch Marvel movies and you know Wanda has an accent in the next movie she doesn't. It, so it's <laughs> yeah, like, it comes you know,
1: and goes. I mean, yeah, it, it's not it's not really the important the important part is We we see Dutch get away because he does dive off the waterfall. It's a great scene, by the way, when Arnold's. Slippery
0: slide, man. That looks like a lot of fun.
1: It actually does look fun. But what's funny about this is, or what's neat about it, is how he he is accidentally just covered in all this mud. And he basically just pulls himself up to these roots. And it's like sitting there waiting to die. And the thing can't see him anymore. And he realizes like, oh, it can't
0: detect my heat,
1: even though I don't have mud in my eyeballs. But whatever, we'll go with it, right?
0: I, I do like, though, when he gets onto the beach and he's getting covered with mud and, and he's just kind of laying there. And then also the splash happens in the background and it's like, yeah, oh, shit. He really followed me down here. Yes. <laughs> like, he's he's ready to die. He's got his, like, you know, he's basically got his chest stretched out and, like, Just, just finish me. I'm done. And then the thing walks away, shoots like a rat or something like that, that it recognizes the heat signature. I mean, he's lucky he covered every inch of his body with the mud, but you know, (laughs) Hey, but
1: it sets up what you know is the, is going to be the final confrontation, right? So Dutch gets his knife out. He builds. I mean, it's it's like a scene out of Conan, by the way. It's very similar to a Conan the Barbarian battle scene where he's got these logs with sticks in them and he's got all this primitive stuff and he's ready to go and he's covered in mud. And I love Arnold lighting up that torch while the Predator is over there like shining skulls. So we're to assume that like he's gone back to all these soldiers that he's killed and he's pulled their skulls out and hung them off one of his legs, you know, as trophies it's really really gross but kind of neat and weird at the same time right and arnold screams into the night this unbelievable howl and the like you said in the plot server the predator's like oh you still want some okay <laughs> and then you know, his cloaking device is broken whatever we'll do it then and we get that final showdown and i gotta tell you man It's always neat in these movies where we try to put people against Arnold who can beat him up a little bit because he's just such a friggin' huge thing. And in the 80s in particular, he's so big, you know, it's just hard to think anybody could touch him. But Kevin Peter Hall is seven foot two. So he's a full foot taller than Arnold. He's an athlete, he's a big guy. He's got on a 200 pound suit and it looks awesome. The way they have to stage this fight, considering the guy was held up by like strings and wires just so he could move around is pretty amazing
0: oh i i like it i really do i mean when he sits there and him and arnold have that slow showdown and he just takes off his mask he takes off his armor he's like all right screw the technology screw the weapons we're going at this man to man or alien to man. It's, 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 a well, I mean,
1: he's got Dutch at one point, he pins him by his neck on, on that log with those two spikes and he could kill him right there, but he's like, Nope, we're going to keep going. And he lets him up. And that, I mean, I think that's, that's was the predator's huge mistake is like, okay, you really want to go, let's go. And then they take off all their stuff and that you get that, that great face reveal. And I mean, you talk about something you can only ever see once, right? Like the first time you see the alien open up and do the, the kill in, in the first alien movie, right? It's the same thing with those mandibles.
0: Oh yeah, totally. It's, it's never looked better. I've seen all the sequels, the predator in this movie looks the best. And I just like Arnold's reaction where he's like, Oh, you're one ugly motherfucker. And yes. it's just, it's great. And I, I love it too, because you know, like I said, you could sit there and look at this movie and go, okay, this predator is hunting these guys. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. You know what I mean? He's just got the tech now, you know, the technological advantage on them, but for him to just go, you know what? I'm not going to kill you. I want you man to man right now. You know what I mean? Fist to fist, we are going to go at it because you piss me off and I just, you know. I'm going to kill you with my bare hands. And that's what it is. And I think it's just, it's such a cool scene when he's just stripping off the armor and he's just like, we're going and Arnold punches him in the face. And just like the whole little mandible thing, like the broken all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. He like broke his face a little bit. He's like, oh you asshole and then he just <laughs> yeah. like clobbers Arnold and he goes flying like 5 feet in the air it's just it's it's got a right sense of humor at the end that just makes it work
1: well it's something i never realized until watching it for this time but we got Joel Silver here right who also produced another huge movie in 1987 called Lethal Weapon and what's the climax of Lethal Weapon a fist fight between two guys who have all the guns in the world but Gary Busey and Mel Gibson decide to fist fight on the lawn right? It's, I mean, it's almost like he ripped it off and I'd never thought about that before, but I think Lethal Weapon totally ripped this off.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, it's taking place in a pond. I mean, that was taking place in the rain and kind of like a wet condition and stuff like that. So, I mean, th- th- there's a lot there, but I think, you know, these, mo- there, there's been a lot of movies where you got the guy, I mean, the final duel, I mean, we've seen that in Star Wars and a lot of other stuff where mm. you got to have the guy and the, you know, the hero and the antagonist just just lay it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and Hulk, to, to be Hulk fair. Hulk Hogan versus Goldberg at this point. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And to be fair, like Luther Weapon came out earlier than this did in the year, but they're being made around the same time. Joel Silver would have known that. And I love that there's that synchronicity between them, even if it is just a happy accident, which it's probably not. But if it is, it's awesome because you do get a great fight. And again, you get somebody who Arnold can can definitely do damage to, but who can do great damage to him. And what you realize is Dutch is trying to set the Predator up into one of his big traps and the predator sees it and it's like, Oh, Oh no, I'm going to go over here now. <laughs> and it's like, Oh crap, you got out of way of my spike log. Now what am I going to do?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, even too. I mean, we talked about aliens. I mean, that, that's the comics of aliens. I mean, it's like, all right, well, how do you take on a twenty-foot alien? Well, just get in a big-ass mech warrior machine, and we're gonna fight. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like it, it, it's quintessential eighties, and it's it's great. I mean, you even look at like you know the Rocky movies. I mean, it all comes down to the final boxing match at the end of the movie, and it's like that's all it is. I mean, it, these are just aliens, Predator. It's it's a boxing match, whether it's in a hangar of a space station, you know, twenty thousand miles above a planet, or in the jungles of Central America and they're going to just lay it out there and you know, in the middle of a pond or whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah. They're they're
1: in like the the little eddy outside of the, where the, you know, the lake is off the, the waterfall there. What's neat though, is that you realize Dutch has a backup plan and he kicks that stick out of the way. And that huge log comes pile driving right down on the predator. And so the predator thought he outsmarted him, but Dutch thought, okay, what if he gets around that one? I got to have a backup log and he, he springs the backup Ewok log and that's what pins him. I got to ask you here at the end when he sets his timer to blow up. That's kind of a cheap move, man. <laughs> like, you know, that there's no honor in that. For something that fights with a lot of honor, that's kind of a lame coup de grace.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a dick move. You know what I mean? Where it's like he's sitting there laughing at him. It's like, oh, I'm going to kill us both right now. It's, it's the dick move, man. You, you were bested by Arnold, you know, a couple times in this film. And, you know, whether it was a net trap or whether Arnold was figured out your whole thing with the thermal vision and yeah, you're going to sit there and do and blow them up. But I also take it as these predators, like they understand that there's a level of intelligence with other alien species and they want to keep themselves secret. Yes. So I think yes. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, like whether it's the, you know, th- nuclear blast on the on the wrist or a cyanide pill in the you know the tooth it's like gonna kill myself and that way there's nothing to be able to take home so that, that, that that's kind of what I took it as but it's still kind of a dick
1: move it is it really is but it's neat because he replays the laugh that he, he recorded billy's laugh earlier and that's what he's playing back to to arnold which is kind of neat and it's like wow and arnold knows what's up And he dives just i mean that's a great shot too when he dives off the edge of that thing as it's blowing up behind him. And I gotta ask you, like, is I don't know if that's nuclear or not, but it sure does produce a hell of a mushroom cloud because that that helicopter that Anna has got is coming with them and they get kind of rocked by it before that you know they they see it off in the distance. And I'm like, well, if Arnold didn't die from the blast, he's gonna die from the radiation.
0: Yeah, I think that was actually a plot point of one of the uh one of the comics where they said like, well, he survived, but then he died of radiation like six months later. So uh, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's cool seeing him there. I mean, what it does is it sets up kind of the final scene as the helicopter is coming in and you got Arnold just standing there in the wake of a nuclear blast. You know what I mean? Like arms on the, on the hip, you know, hands on the hip, you know, muscles all flexed and just being like, all right, it's time to go home. Well,
1: And what's even better is he's riding that helicopter right home and Anna's looking at him and you just see him and he's just beaten to death. And the weight of it has hit him. Like my entire team is gone and like vaporized and nobody will ever believe this. What am I going to do now?
0: It's kind of the same dilemma that, you know, Ripley was in after the first alien movie where it's like, all the proof is gone at this point. I mean, yeah, he's got Anna there to sit there and kind of, you know, recalibrate, you know, you know, this story and everything like that. But you know, it's, it's the government. They're just going to sit there and just blame it on whatever they want. It was a weather balloon.
1: Well, yeah. They'll uh, just say the gorillas like set off some device and then, you know, that's it. It'll all get covered up, but you just, you see it. It's, it's a win, but it's also like one of those Pyrrhic victories for like, gosh, we took so much and loss to get to this point. And Mm -hmm what did we really gain from it, you know? And and I, I love that it leaves us on that uh, that beat where you just don't know. It's like, how do you explain that when you get back? And the answer is you don't. You just go, eh, Gorilla set off some explosives and you just move on. But it's a great ending to this flick. So I, I think it won't be too big of a surprise, Nick, but it's time for final thoughts, recommendations and popcorn ratings. So how big of a popcorn is Predator for you still after all these years?
0: Dude, it's like the latest movies that we've been doing have been large popcorns man it's it, that's that that's not us <laughs> <laughs> no, right <laughs> yeah we we do junk man, what the hell so no this 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 movie's a large popcorn it's a it, it's a classic i mean it's right up there with you know aliens and just like so many of these other movies that we have talked about where it's just one where if you haven't seen this movie, like what the hell's wrong with you? that's like telling me you' never had a you know. A glass of water before i mean it's something if you watch movies you've seen this movie so it, it, it's it's a great movie it's just fun it's it holds up you know just so well it's right in the midst of the arnold you know extravaganza that we got in the 80s and 90s it's just it, it hits there's nothing bad about this movie is what i guess the, my review is is like there's nothing bad everything works special effects the characters the acting everything works in this movie it's just it's a large popcorn it's a it's a fun movie and it's one like aliens or robocop where you can just put this on at any time and it's like okay well we're halfway through half the characters are dead but i can just finish up the movie because i know this movie so well and i just want to keep on watching it because it's a good time so large popcorn
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, 10 years of doing this with you and 11 years of this show, it's rare to do stuff that's good. And we've done a bunch of good ones in a row here now. But, hey, you know, coming up on anniversary time, I guess it's time to do it. This movie totally, totally works and still lasts. And it's fun in all the ways you want it to be from its time period, but it still works today. Evidenced by the fact that they've never made another good one. I mean, Predator Two is terrible. Like it's fun in a in a bad way, but it's a bad movie. All right, and Alien versus Predator and Alien versus Predator: Requiem are total junk, and you know they are going in. They're just horror movie trash. And then Predators it had such potential and just totally sucks. And then Shane Black got a hold of one, and the Predators even worse somehow. Like they've never been able to get this right again. I think some of the comic stuff is pretty good, but even that gets a little ridiculous. This was a one shot where it was perfect. And it's because you've got the right music, you've got the right director, you've got the right beat, and you've got the right cast. And it's Arnold at the height of his powers. It's it's such a fun time. And it is a total large popcorn. Yes, this you need to go back and watch this one at least once a year, folks. As for nothing more than just a fun time, put this on with a bunch of people and just enjoy the ride.
0: Cause that's what this movie is. Well, I got to ask you, Jay, though. It's like, you get done making this movie and does like, let's have Danny Glover fight. The predator <laughs> ever come into your <laughs> mind for a sequel. I, I just, I,
1: I have no explanation as to why that sequel exists the way it does. Other than the marketing machine of Hollywood, man. <laughs> I mean, it's,
0: it's predator Two is next level bad. That's what I'm trying to say. It's terrible. It's like, I like Lethal Weapon, I like Danny Glover, and I like just comedy that doesn't fit with this movie. But yeah, we, maybe we'll talk about that movie in the future.
1: Yeah, so. it's a, yeah, that one is definitely one to, it's more of our style, honestly, what we usually do. But we had to do this one, man, after all those years ago, do an Alien and just leaving Predator hanging out there, like we had to. We had to come around and get Predator done. So glad we got to do it. Episode two hundred and ninety-eight in the books. That is unreal to think about that we've been doing this that long, but uh, a good one and a good one to to latch onto here, folks. Follow the show's social media at FilmstripPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll find announcements for upcoming shows, links to our letterbox page where you can find all the reviews we've ever done. Go to filmstrippodcast.com and you'll link to our anchor.fm distribution site where you can find the podcast on the platform of your choice. Apple, Spotify, Google, name it. We're there. Please share the show if you can on your social media. Leave us a positive review. It helps others find the show. And hey, let us know what you think of the movies and the reviews. We appreciate the support. For Nick, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip.
0: Thank you for listening to Filmstrip.